Are you ready to vibe? You're listening to Creepy Vibes Only. lovely humans. Steph here, and as you've probably noticed by now, uh, our dear Emma, or Erasmus, as we have grown to known in love, has not yet, yet graced us with her angelic voice. Emma will actually be taking a break from the podcast uh, because she has a lot on her plate, and right now she really needs to focus on herself, and she did not want to do this without her full heart in it. So we we came to the discussion that I will be continuing on while she's taking a break as solo. So every week you're going to be getting just one story this time around with me. I may be bringing in some special guests in the meantime. I also don't know how long or she either doesn't know how long she's going to be taking a break for. But basically, when we came to talk about it, there's just too much going on for her. And this, we didn't want the podcast to become a chore and something that she fell out of love with. Uh, and we wanted her best energy when it came to the podcast. So she's taking some time to focus on herself. And if you can think positive thoughts and send great positive vibes her way, and if you want to send her love, please do so but through the podcast. Um, if you do send us messages through our Gmail or um, DM us on our pages, I will make sure that she sees them. Just don't go and harass her. Uh, that won't be helpful. So yeah, so for the next little while, and we're not sure how long, once we have a, more of an update, we will be giving giving it to you. Um, but for the next little while, you're going to be stuck with me. So format is going to change a bit. There probably is going to be uh, some getting used to this. So I apologize in advance if this sounds weird or anything. But um, yeah, we'll keep going and adapting as we go. So one happy creepy Monday. I actually am recording this today and we'll release it in a few hours. uh, So you get the most uh, live information that you can have. Um, and then a few a few things I wanted to touch before I dive into the story of the day or of the week. Uh, one, completely forgot to acknowledge Black History Month, and I am so, 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 so sorry for doing that. Emma and I had talked about doing something and pulling different podcasters and all of that um, that would be appropriate for the month and would help discover new podcasters. Um, but with the whole uh, occupation of the city and then both environmental health just not being the best over the last month, we entirely forgot about it. So again, I'm so, so, so sorry for not approaching it, for not acknowledging it. It's a huge oversight and mistake on our parts. Um, I will be, since next month, the March is, uh, well, actually tomorrow, it is Women History Month. I will try to do something special to kind of have uh, some Black History Month in there. Um, I did listen to a few uh, podcasters throughout the month to kind of learn more or just 
highlight some like really interesting figures in the the history of Black History Month. Um, so we'll we'll uh, I will try to highlight those during the month as well as do something special for Women History Month since this is a women led podcast. Thought it'd be an important month to celebrate. Um, so I'm not too 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 sure. I have some ideas again. Uh, I will need to decide by tomorrow, but we will highlight that month. Um, also, if ever there's anything that you guys, especially until the format is going to change, if you have ideas or stuff that you want to see or hear for the podcast or ideas of how we can adapt during this time, please feel free to message me. I run the social media and I am the one that's answering most of the G- like the emails for Gmail. So Again, you're talking to me directly, so please, please, please reach out and let me know what your ideas would be. Another thing we completely forgot to touch on was our charity of the month. The last one that we did, I believe, was in January, and that was the Water First Charity Organization. So instead of really doing a new charity for February, I am, well, it is a charity, but what I'm going to be doing is releasing a list of resources to help Ukraine and what they are going through. Uh, so I'll release on social media later today. Uh, if you can help, do help. If not, um, I believe the way that you can help if it's not uh, financially is go to those demonstrations if you're comfortable. But also make sure that you are sharing the right information and share not information that you know isn't false so make sure to check your sources um, and don't share anything that could be hurtful and then one thing too um actually saw this tweet the other day reminding people that the russian businesses and people that live here aren't the ones who started the invasion so do not spread hate their way um spreading hate is not a way to solve any type of conflict um so my hearts and thoughts are with the people in Ukraine, the people suffering by watching, the people suffering by living it. But yeah, so I'll be sharing a list of resources to help out. If you can, please do. If you can't, completely understandable. Um, just do what you can, right? So let's move on to our, our creepy fact of the day. Also, people, um, you are now going to get a lot of mispronunciations since we don't have Emma to correct me. But hey. It is what it is. (laughs) Uh, So our creepy fact of the week is cats may have the ability to sense when people are dying. A nursing home had a pet cat named Oscar who was believed to be able to tell when one of the residents would die. Um, So Oscar would start sleeping beside them. And the resident would shortly die in the following days when Oscar decided to choose them to sleep with them. Um, so very creepy. <laughs> uh, if if you guys have cats and you know them trying to stick around, maybe something's wrong. Um, I don't think it's super creepy, super interesting because I do know that uh, I have dogs, obviously, uh, and Emma too. Uh, but I know that dogs have been known to detect cancer and all that. So I don't think this. Uh, probably has some truth to it Uh, so yeah Alrighty, so let's get to our story of the week now since emma is not with us i decided to do something that she probably would have loved to just roll her eyes at me so in honor of emma (laughs) 
We are covering the Falcon Lake incident. Um, so I will start the story with a quote from the a letter from the Department of National Defense. Both the DND and the RCMP investigation teams were unable to provide evidence which would dispute Mikulik's story. Our story takes place during the May long weekend of 1967 in Falcon Lake. Falcon Lake is located in the White Shell Provincial Park, which is about 150 kilometers east of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Stefan Mikulik, who was 51 at the time, was by trade a industrial mechanic, but who also dabbled into geology. Specifically, he would search for quartz and silver, and he had found, uh, he had made a claim in the woods surrounding Falcon, Falcon Lake and would often uh, take a bus over to the area as it wasn't far from Winnipeg, uh, dig throughout the day, and then come back at night with whoever, whatever he had found. So he did that the weekend of the long weekend of May. So specifically in the afternoon of May 20th in 1967, he made his way to Falcon Lake. And I see he was chipping through the rock to get to a vein of quartz. He was startled by a nearby gaggle of geese who erupted into long honks. Loud honks, sorry. <laughs> um, so Mikulik looked up to see what disturbed the geese. And in the sky, he saw two cigar-shaped objects glowing with this intense red hovering the sky about 45 meters away from him. One of the craft descending onto a flat section of the rock where he was digging, in a sense. Um, and as it came down, he noticed that the sh the craft looked more like a disc instead of a cigar shape. Um, and the second craft stayed in the sky, hovered over the craft that had just landed, and then shot off out of sight. So due to the current time period... And given this was 1967, so during the Cold War time and the proximity of the U.S. border, Mikulik thought that it was a secret experimental craft from the U.S. military. So as he was at that point unnoticed and unseen, he decided to take the next 30 minutes to observe and sketch the craft. So what he noticed while he was sketching is that the craft's metal, the metal surrounding the craft that was a scarlet red, quickly faded to a stainless steel sheen. Um, he also tried to look for identifying insignias on the craft and didn't notice anything, but he then noticed that the metal covering the craft was very smooth and seamless. Um, and during the observation, he could feel warm gusts of air coming off of the craft. He could smell the smell of very strong sulfur and could hear air hissing and the engines whirring in from the craft. So not really believing anything particularly strange was happening, after he had finished crafting, uh, sketching the craft, actually, sorry, um, he decided to take a closer look and see if he could help the people in the craft. He was, in fact, an industrial mechanic, so this was right in his wheelhouse. He had the potential to help them if something was malfunctioning, and that's why they landed. So as he got closer, he noticed that on the side of the craft, there was a an open door. So from his vantage point, he wasn't too, too close yet. So he could only see very bright light spilling out of the doorway. And as he got closer, he could hear muffled voices inside of the craft. 
So he immediately stopped, held his breath to listen to better, to better hear what was happening. But while he was listening closely, the only thing he could really make out was that there was two separate voices. Sounded human. Enough. Couldn't really, it was very muffled, so couldn't make out what they were saying. But he could hear a difference in pitch. One had a higher pitch, and then the other voice had a lower pitch. So he kept going on closer, and he called out to the people inside of the craft and said, Okay, Yankee boys, having trouble? Come on out, and we'll see what we can do about it. The voices in the craft immediately went quiet, and no answer came. So he thought, okay, maybe another language. He, same thing, reached out to the craft and said something in Polish, which was his native language. No answer again. Then tried to reach out to them in Russian. No answer. And finally he tried German and still no answer. Since he knew that he heard people in the craft and they just went quiet, he decided that he was going to peer into the doorway. As the light was pretty bright from far away, he uh, had welding goggles that he used while chipping away at the rock. So he instinctively pulled them down on his face and went to look into the doorway. In the door, he saw various colored light beams and panels flashing in what seemed to, t- to him in a random sequence. Didn't see anyone or anything living inside of the craft. He just saw a bunch of bright lights bl- blinking different colors. Um, and then when he would look away from the craft, pink dots would blur his vision. Uh, but he would blink those away and then his vision would be back to normal. As he stepped away, the three panels slid across the door to close the door and seal it. Hesitating, he decided to touch the craft and felt that the metal was burning hot. His hands were in in gloves as he was chipping away at rock. Uh, So when he pulled his hand away, he noticed that the fingertips of his gloves were burnt. Now, not really sure what was happening and trying to make sense of this, suddenly the, cl- the craft starts spinning counterclockwise and he saw a panel with a grid-like pattern pattern in front of him. Then without warning, he felt the shot of hot air hit him right across the, the, sk- the chest and scorching pain shot through his chest. He stumbled back and his shirt and cap burst into flames. Instinctively, he turned away from the craft pull his shirt and cap off and then he felt a second gush of hot air around him so he looked back around at the craft and saw that it was already over the trees and then in the blink of the eye it was gone suddenly Mikulik felt ill and that something was seriously wrong with him nausea and an extreme headache hit him he stumbled into the nearby forest where he vomited he broke into a sweat The pink dots reappeared in his vision. He looked down at his chest and saw red marks in the form of a grid. The burn marks actually quickly became sores. He vomited a second time and fought the nausea and pounding headache as he made his way out of the forest and tried his very best to stay conscious the whole time. He eventually made it to the highway where he tried to flag down a highway patrol car. The patrol car just kept going, and the officer who saw him just thought he was drunk. Now why he didn't stop? 
Not sure why. Seems counterintuitive to what his job is. But hey, he didn't stop. So Mikulik made eventually made his way back to his hotel room at the Falcon Motor Hotel, where he approached the hotel owner and asked for a doctor. The owner noticed that his eyes were bloodshot and that he seemed extremely, extremely unwell. Unfortunately, there wasn't any doctor in town that day. So Mikulik was offered to just rest in his room while arrangements were made for him to go back home. In his room, he called his wife and told her that he would take the next bus to Winnipeg and to have their son wait for him at the bus stop and bring him to the emergency, the hospital right away. Which is exactly what they've done. So Mikulik was brought to the hospital where he was treated for his burns and immediate symptoms. However, after that incident on May 20th, 1967, he was sick for weeks after the incident. He suffered from diarrhea, blackouts, headache, immense weight loss. He actually wasn't able to eat solid foods ever since that day. His son, Stan, uh, in recalling the evidence, said, I recall seeing him in bed. He didn't look good at all. He looked pale, haggard. When I walked into the bedroom, there was a huge stink in the room, like a real horrible aroma of sulfur and burnt motor. It was all around. and It was coming out of his pore. It was bad. So this uh, Stan actually on the 50th anniversary of the, the incident, decided to write a book about the incident called When They Appeared. He co-authored it with Chris Rutkowski, a Winnipeg UFO researcher. Um, and this quote, I got it from a CBC article where he was talking about the book in the event. So one thing though is that you may recall from my opening quote is that the story doesn't end there the DND and RCMP were involved in the story. So to know how one thing important or why one thing important to know is that before moving to Canada, Mikulik was a member of the military police in Poland and he lived by the moral guideline instilled by the police and the guideline of the police. If you see something, it must be reported. So although Stephen Mikulik wasn't necessarily looking forward to report this, it was his duty to do so. So he reported the incident to the authorities to make sure that people knew to stay away and to ensure that no one else got hurt by these crafts. So as soon as he reported, the story took Winnipeg and the whole world by storm. Newspapers, residents, different police forces all interrogated the family and reported on the incident. A massive search took place to find the landing site and the crafts. Um, reporting the incident didn't really make the Mikulik's lives better, uh, as in other stories where people gain this uh, this fame and they tend to make a big deal of it. It was the complete opposite. Stan was bullied by his classmates. His father's sanity was questioned. They just weren't treated nicely after the incident. And one thing that's very, very important to note is that Mikulik never said that aliens were involved. Till the day that he died, he still believed that it was a military specialty craft. He never, ever mentioned 
that aliens were a part of the story. And when people would ask him, he would always, what he thought it was, he would always say it was a military specialty craft, no doubt about it. But then he would also just wait and be like, well, what do you think? He would. He was never the one who said aliens. However, the story still took everyone uh, and just blew out of proportion and just was a massive thing. So once the RCMP started looking into it and saw that there's really the story that seemed kind of weird had nothing to go against it, nothing disproving it. So it became something bigger, something of like, oh, shit, these two crafts are flying around and potentially hurting our people. So a massive investigation and search started taking over residents of around Falcon Lake remember helicopters being in the air for days and days on end having different authorities taking over the town and searching the search included the 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 dnd so the department department of national defense rcmp nasa took part of it the united space air force the ufo project for the united states government ARPO, which is the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, and this is a group of PhD scientists that are consulting for the U.S. government, all took part part in this. So when he was in the hospital, Michalik gave instructions on where to find the site, but his instructions were too vague. So despite being extremely sick, two members of the RCMP convinced Michalik to join them in the search. They first started an aerial search in a Canadian military helicopter then continued on foot until the evening. With no luck, the pair drove him back to his home and immediately returned to Falcon to continue in the search. All right, sorry, had to pause for a second. I had two little dogs banging at my door. Uh, and now we're back, slightly winded, but back. Um, so as I was saying, so the the RCMP officers went to get Mikalek to find the landing site. So they start off the day with a aerial search in a Canadian military helicopter. No, um, the air was way too large and he couldn't pinpoint it. So they decided to do a search on foot, which lasted until the end of the day, uh, but still no luck. So they drove him back home to Winnipeg and then they immediately returned to Falcon Lake to continue search. Um, eventually, authorities did find the landing site. And when they did find it, this is what they found a 15 feet, 15 feet in diameter circle on the rock, completely devoid of moss and vegetation, which covered the same rock in other areas. They took soil samples, soil samples, sorry, um, and they were tested and came back as highly radioactive. Pieces of metal from the crop that had melted into the rock were chipped away and tested, and they too came back as highly radioactive. On top of the evidence found at the site, they also tested Michalik's clothing and gloves, and they too contained high levels of radiation uh, once they came back. Milo is upset. Give me one second, I will kick him out, and I will be back. See, that didn't change. So we've got some consistency here. All right, Milo has left, and hopefully we will be good to finish. Um, so as I was saying, his gloves and clothing were tested, and they also had high levels of uh, ray, were highly radioactive. Uh, 
So in the days surrounding the um, Falcon Lake incident, Mikulik wasn't the only one to have spotted something strange in the skies. Actually, one evening, a server from that hotel went for a drive with her boyfriend to watch the nearby bears. On their drive home, the couple spotted something silver in the sky that just seemed to appear out of nowhere. The object was flying relatively low and followed their car all the way into town where it disappeared in the flash. The server lived in the hotel and staff accommodations, and she absolutely refused to leave her room the following morning as she was way too shaken up from what had happened that night. After the incident, Mikulik's uh, medical condition did not get better. Um, he was sent to the Mayo Clinic in Rot. I think it's Mayo, uh, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota in 1968. Um, he was still suffering from blackouts. Strangely, his burns would keep reappearing on his chest. And since his sanity had been questioned all throughout this process, he was also examined by a psychiatrist who came to the conclusion that Mikulik was a very pragmatic, down-to-earth man who would not make up stories. The Falcon Lake UFO incident became Canada's best documented UFO case. Other claims it, it's one of the best documented cases in the world, beating out the Roswell case as in the Falcon Lake incident, the Canadian government acknowledged its presence, but the Roswell case, the government never acknowledged it and still to this day will not recognize that it happened. So that difference in the government involvement gives the Falcon Lake case a bit more credibility. Throughout the years, Mikulik retold the stories numerous times without an element of the story changing. He always told it the same exact way, didn't add on things to make it dramatic, uh, recalled it perfectly as how he first told the story in the night of 1967. And then most importantly, he never, ever, like I mentioned before, claimed that aliens were in the craft. Still believed that it was military, but then would often throw the question to the people asking, what do you think it was? When asked what Stan thinks his father encountered, he is unsure as well. He says that he's not close-minded enough to think that it couldn't be otherworldly and that he does believe there's life out there but that he also knows a lot about aircrafts um, and that the technology that we have just doesn't work the way that craft work. So that was the story of Falcon Lake. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it, found it interesting, um, just as interesting as I found it when I stumbled, stumbled upon the story. Um so yeah, just one story for today. It's going to be one story per week uh, for uh, the next few weeks. Hopefully Emma will be back with us soon. And uh, as I said, just send positive vibes her way. Um, do not harass her on social media. If you have a message or just want to reach out, do so through our uh, the podcast social media and I will make sure that she sees it. And um, yeah, just keep interacting with us, keep encouraging us. We are also on three new platforms. We are on iHeartRadio, Good Pods, and Podchaser. So we are accessible to more people. And um, 
yeah, that's about it. So I will see you all next week. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> this, sorry if this is a bit awkward. It was a little weird for me to do alone. Uh, it will keep getting better. <laughs> Have a great Monday and great week. Uh, so yeah, bye. You've heard the scary ghost stories. You've discovered horrendous crimes and opened your eyes to the lives of murderers and missing persons. Maybe you've learned about cars or music. But have you ever wondered about the strange stories that make us, us? From zombies in World War I to history-changing comets to witches and incestuous bloodlines, take some time to learn something about our peculiar past with Brad and Alyssa over on the podcast Strange History. Tune in wherever your ears are listening. Thank you for listening to Creepy Vibes Only. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Creepy Vibes Only Podcast. And you can send us an email at cvopodcast at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen, download our episodes, and please leave us a review, ideally a really nice one. Thanks for vibing and keeping it creepy with us. We will see you next week. Bye!